It has, has to, to be, be you. Gotta be me. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. But we've used science to, to prolong life, <laughs> to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Vulnerable. 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 Are we going to use it constructively? The Mexican city of Washington. It'll be up to you. And, and you, you too. too. I mean, we, we the should, Mexican city of Washington. Throwing a gun vacation. So amazing. So <laughs> it's beautiful this time of year. So I wanted a, a decent joke. And so I found a, a, a slightly funny joke that was 12 words long. Okay. And so I brought it into ChatGPT and said, make this joke slightly longer. Okay. okay slightly longer. Do we, are, do we get the base joke first? Not yet. It, okay. Nope. Who I'll spoil it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> In the heart of the magical realm, nestled, nestled between the hills sparkling with fairy dust, lies the peculiar town of Potterville. The village is... <laughs> the village is brimming with wizards and witches of all sorts, practicing their unique magical crafts. They turn invisible, fly on broomsticks, conjure up spellbinding potions, and, and you name it. They do it. However, one wizard stood out amongst them, not because he was the most popular or because he could summon thunderbolts from his fingertips, but because his magic was a touch more tangible. His name was Harry, and his magic didn't just turn heads, it turned pots. One day, as Harry was hard at work at his pottery studio, working a lump of clay on his magical wheel. over here as I'm waiting for this. In came Draco Malfoy, the infamous arrogant wizard from from a purebred wizarding family. Sculpting again, Potter? Draco sneered, looking at the pot's faces and assorted ceramics in the room. Not sculpting, Draco. Uh. Potting, Harry corrected, his hands covered in the wet clay. Draco raised an eyebrow, a smirk playing on his lips. Potting? What do you call a wizard who's good with ceramics, then? Isn't it obvious? Harry replied, his hands shaping a beautiful pot, seemingly by magic alone. <laughs> a smug smile played on his lips. You call him Harry Pottery. The room erupted Wrong. in laughter. Wrong. Wrong. Draco Clayfoy's smug expression wiped clean by the roar of laughter. The story spread throughout the town. And from that day forth, Harry was known far and wide as Harry Pottery, the wizard who chose clay over chaos and pottery over potions. His magic was not just enchanting. It was also practicing, practical and beautiful, just like his handcrafted ceramic creations. That's the joke. There was a joke in there. It was longer than Chamber you of You call Sin. him Harry Pottery. So the original joke. I, yeah, I, said, I, I, I Make this joke slightly longer. What do you call a wizard who's good with ceramics? Harry Pottery. But see, you wouldn't be calling the wizard that because the person is not pottery. You are making pottery. Harry Pot, a, a potter <laughs> makes pottery. It's already there. 
And I think the biggest takeaway from that is that Chat GPT doesn't know what slightly <laughs> means. <laughs> I I was, that was a good hour. That was a show. We're out of time for today. So the first version, I said, expand this joke. Okay. And it it was equally as long. <laughs> it was actually shorter. Wow. Well, it was nice to be reacquainted with my with my stream deck. It's been a after all these these years of, of remote recording, I've forgotten where all my fun buttons were. But he's, he's gay. gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me, me. He's blind. Oh, so good. Well, you showed me something at the end of last week's I show did. after we stopped recording that I wanted to know more about. So tell us, Mark, what is hopscotch? Hopscotch. Hopscotch is fun. Uh, so it, it's a permanently installed not a pop-up shop artistic gallery in portland in the goat blocks uh down like, like in belmont 12th and belmont area. they're yeah, called, yeah. The, the, goat called the goat blocks now okay yeah uh, they were the goat blocks when they had goats right and they got rid of the goats right and they named the blocks the goat blocks. that is after the that goats. is the epitome of the white man <laughs> in portland <laughs> Yes. Let's get rid of this nature, build condos, and then call it the thing that we displaced. <laughs> totally. And so uh, it, there were <clears throat> there were about a dozen, 12 or 15 different full experiences. And, and some of them were very mundane, uh, beautiful, but like pretty straightforward so to like, back up this and this is like it you, the way that i would have understood it from the way you're talking it sounds like a small little whatever you're in it but this looked like a giant like warehouse space yep. with pr light Massive. projections Massive. and designs and so each room, everywhere each room has its own experience okay and so the first room is like uh street art murals and okay. it's just uh, it's a murals. huge room with murals in it and uh, the least engaging room, uh, you know, technologically, but beautiful and great art and all the things. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the next one is a trampoline room where... Um, where our lawyers, lawyers advised us to not <laughs> to do. Not, a trampoline room. And there are cameras and projectors in the room. So yeah. as the kids are playing on the trampoline... Uh, or Dresden from Weird Portland United uh, posted the video the day after we went, uh, when he went the next day. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> playing on the trampoline. And so the lights follow the person as they jump around and, and interact with them. So so you feel like you're part of it. It's like a real life experience. opening to 321 contact exactly. where you have that tracing yep. <laughs> figure that goes past you. Exactly. So. Uh, people of all ages are jumping around, mostly kids in that in that room. And then there's a room of uh, uh, cords coming down from the roof with a lighted ping pong ball every foot down the rope. So the room is effectively filled with strings of ping pong balls that serve as pixels uh, in a 3D space. Okay. And so big audio system big 3d pixel art uh situation and so they let me pull up videos here as i'm doing this so that you so i'm not just play this music but... oh 
And so, um, oh yeah, yeah. So the room is filled with and mirrored on all sides. Mirrored on so all it's like you're in one sides. of those infinity starscape yeah. things. Yeah, and they line That's up perfectly, so, cool. so yeah. you get all of the effects, squares, of that. and. Yeah. But I wanted to, yeah, and so we got cut a bunch of those. Yeah, yeah. Then um, there's a room of there's a spot in the room to play and then it is recording and doing really crazy video effects at the same time right that you're and and so uh each of these what i had the experience of and those like, each of those like i, I want to say again they're big areas huge huge rooms like you know so where is this um, oh, in the goat blocks. We already established that. Uh, so if you know where Market of Choice is or where OSH Hardware used to be in the goat blocks down there in inner southeast. Okay. It's like 12th and Belmont area. Okay. Uh, there's a Chipotle next the, door. The only thing I know in Belmont is Movie Madness. Yeah. Not near there at all. Okay. <laughs> so. Good to establish. Go, go back towards I-5. <laughs> Turn around. A lot. You have gone too far uh, when you hit too far. Movie Madness. And so um, right in that zone. And um, it's like 25 bucks entry. They have a bar uh, with some really interesting drinks and some interesting ice creams and food. Not, not cheap, but uh, you can take your beverage and stuff through the art. It definitely looks stuff. like those ex that experience is worth $25. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. a escape room size, you know, one of those. And um, it's easy to get the idea that this is just like an Instagram opportunity. Right, right. right. And I really felt that it, it was much, much more than that. Oh, nice. Uh, and so the... The experience, uh, yeah, we've been to Area 15 down in Las Vegas, which has the uh, Meow Wolf uh, experience. Meow Wolf is is this times five. Uh, you know, it it has a huge story embedded okay. in the experience, and it's probably three times as big. Uh, this is a smaller version of that grand Meow Wolf experience, but it's a very portland expression of that kind right. of art oh, cool. and so um each room really made me engage and made me be delighted yeah like, it yeah. was very fun it was very engaging and delight is so delight. underrated like nobody <laughs> talks about delight and it is different than joy yeah. and it is different than no, wonder was, and there were there were some really interesting like there was a ball pit that's the size of a you know huge of the room <laughs> that's four feet deep of clear balls and then they've got led lights underneath the entire pool oh wow and so you are swimming you can go under the ball and, yeah yeah and you know and, and in a post-covid world you're like i'm definitely gonna get sick here uh and there were definitely people that were standing on the side like there's no way i'm getting in yeah there. yeah but we're like eh, you know uh, whatever Pandemic's live over. your life and, yeah and uh there was one room where there was a phone booth in the corner and you could go in and record a secret that you haven't shared with him, right? Yeah. And then in the room itself were these planters that were kind of cone of silence shaped. And you went under the cone of silence and you heard other people's recordings that had been curated 
by their administration. There's no identifying marks or, or yeah, anything. It's yeah. just a human talking uh, about, you know, the time that they had sex with their best friend or yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, whatever the, the thing was. And that, my joke was, <laughs> I put my balls on this mic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which would be, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Um, and, uh, and so each room had this, this really different experience. There was a lot of uh, stuff. Uh, we thought it was a 10 out of 10 we loved it uh we did note like as we were exiting there was we overheard a person's what a waste of time that was just oh. so stupid you know like yeah you know, like you clearly missed you know, the point the of point of where is your delight <laughs> sir <laughs> exactly uh, and so i love oh, that's it cool yeah I it looked really neat yeah cool cool and it was a hopscotch it's called hopscotch look for a hopscotch near you but yep. not near movie madness <laughs> not near movie madness so here is the most niche thing that i think the speaking of delight delighted me this last week but i just wanted to talk about it anyway so about 20 years ago now it was that i think the 2003 mtv video music awards was the infamous mm. um, Britney Spears Madonna kiss? Oh yeah, uh, and Christina Aguilera was there. And the the thing is, um, so that was right after Britney and Justin Timberlake broke up. Oh. And so when you're watching this performance, they're showing the crowd or whatever. Um, they show Justin, oh, then they go in for the kiss. And as soon as Madonna and Britney kiss, they cut to Justin Timberlake for some reason. I never figured out what. Anyway. See the reaction. That's the reaction I guess, shot but you're looking for. I, what does the boyfriend think of the, the lesbians? he wasn't the... Anyway. He wasn't even the boyfriend anymore. Anyway. So that 20-year-old conversation <laughs> aside. Uh, so they cut to Justin. And then they cut back just at the end of when Madonna kisses Christina Aguilera. And so like... The press for all of history is Britney and Madonna kiss. Poor, poor Christina Aguilera left out of the equation because they cut away. Well, um, this past week, a new video emerged Ooh. and it is the dress rehearsal for that performance, which is fascinating just to see, you know, professional singers go through their their dress rehearsals and stuff like that. And somebody took that uh, some Christina Aguilera fan group re-edited it to hashtag justice for Christina. So now because the 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 practice footage doesn't cut away, there's no audience to cut away. So it's just their performance the whole time. And so you see um Adonicus Brittany. No, no no how does it go? Oh, as Madonna is gonna kiss Brittany it cuts away to I'm guessing who was Christina Aguilera's boyfriend at the time. And cuts that over Britney's thing and then shows the full Christina kiss. So just re-edits it to do the same thing to Britney as it did to Christina, which really made me laugh. And I'm like, this is the most <laughs> navel-gazing joke for it's amazing. just it. But it was so funny and so perfect. <laughs> so it, that made me laugh. Yay. Um, and kind of on that exact same note, let's talk about the Ukraine. <laughs> let's talk about Ukraine and Russia. Like... Uh, this last week week's conversation has been more about Russia and this this mercenary. Group well, that's and, to take the so focus away focus from on. Hunter Biden <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, and his sweetheart deal. Um, 
So there's mercenaries led by a guy uh, that were working for Putin against Ukraine. Right. And that guy and his name uh, we were pulling up is Progogin. Okay. Or or something like that. (laughs) Prigozhin. 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 The Mexican city of Of Warsaw. Or if you pronounce it in Russian. Oh, wow. Prigozhin. Sounds like she she fainted halfway through that. Oh. (laughs) Prigozhin. So Prigozhin, the war is is being managed by one person and Prigozhin was against uh, like uh, came out again. He published a video saying this person is lying uh, and he's mismanaging the troops and he's bad for Russia basically. And he needs to be taken out. (laughs) And, um, and Putin is like, you are the enemy of the state by saying so. Okay. And so we are going to take you out. And so How about that? How about that? And so the mercenary guy takes his troops and heads towards Moscow. And you could follow the the action on Google Maps. Oh my god. And so there were roadblocks uh, I saw them up. like just fully digging up a road with a backhoe so that people couldn't drive past. <laughs> and so as this many mile long uh, uh, procession, procession of... of military vehicles f- headed towards Moscow uh, was happening, other vehicles couldn't get onto that highway. And so they were, uh, you know, reporting that to Google. And so you could. Follow this action on Google Maps, uh, which is kind of a new way of looking at world history. I didn't know you can get up to date. Like, I thought it was like that five-year-old picture of the house, you know, with Google Drive-By or whatever. You could see uh, real-time road closures. Wow. And so so this was... Russian ways. (laughs) Totally Russian ways. And... I did see, not to interrupt too, uh, too much, but... There was a snapshot of like all the planes in the air right now, like all over the world and like thousands of planes just covering the earth except for Ukraine. <laughs> like, oh, no fly zone. No fly <laughs> it zone. It was crazy. And then um, at the last minute, he, uh, the mercenary guy, had a conversation with the leader of Belarus, who has been a compadre or uh, uh, comrade. Comrade of Putin uh, this entire time and, okay. and and supporter of the war and all the things. Prigozhin Prigozhin was charged with, you know, uh, crimes uh, for coming out against Putin. He had the conversation with the leader of Belarus and the charges got dropped and he agreed to move to Belarus and let his troops go back to Ukraine. And we don't know anything more than is that. Belarus its own country right yep, now. Okay, yep, yeah, Belarus is uh, Europe's lack, last dictatorship. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, the <laughs> that sounds like it needs a cheer. Or something. <laughs> totally. 
Tilly. And so... Um, Good for you. <laughs> it's next to Poland. Next okay. to, yeah, it's between Russia and Poland. Okay. Right in that little gap above Ukraine. And so they're they're all intermeshed right there. So have they... So, so far, the, it's only been the Ukraine and Russia, right? It's not... Like, other countries are not involved. So other than Belarus like has been involved them. in that they've allowed troops to go into Ukraine using Belarusian territory. Okay. And so Russian troops go into Belarus and then go south into Ukraine. Mm. And so um, uh, so Belarus has been an active supporter of the war against Ukraine. Okay. So now the guy lived, the mercenary lives in, in Belarus. Belarus and his troops went back to Ukraine to fight for Ukraine or to... For, for Russia. Oh. Yeah. And so oh. he's been let off and his troops were always fighting for Russia against Ukraine. And they there was some sweetheart deal <laughs> given Hunter Biden. Hunter, Hunter Biden got involved <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he took out his lap, his laptop <laughs> and did a little something or other. And, and, and so we don't know what the what was said. That right. served, you know, it literally went from a hundred to zero in minutes. You know, wow. it went from this this mercenary group with hundreds of troops is moving into Moscow, uh, Moscow, and uh, it went from there to uh, we're standing down. I'm moving to Belarus. Troops are going home. They're going going back, back to, to where, where they, troops are like, hey, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Can I live We're in working for Putin again, not killing him. Right. Jeez. Um, but there's there's definitely going to be fallout because of this. Like there, it's it's shifted. I the honestly tone believe of, that it uh, this has been going on for so long is crazy. Yeah. Um, almost a year and a half. Anyway, on that exact same subject, let's talk about a book from 1981. Yes. <laughs> it's actually a book that you introduced me to. Now my headphones are doing that same thing again. Hmm. Um, and it is called Addicted to Mediocrity, Contemporary Christians and the Arts by Frank Schaefer. So tell me how you uh, were familiar with so this. So I, I had a boss that I worked for in the late 90s, and uh, he introduced me to this book. Uh, so it was like 1997. Wow. Addicted to Mediocrity. And Frankie, uh, young Frank Schaefer, uh his father was Francis Schaefer, and he started a, a kind of a kind of a movement ish thing in Switzerland in the 40s, hmm. where he opened up his house. He and his wife opened up his house for passersby travelers to have philosophical discussions Ooh. about religion. And Ooh. so it was just kind of an open market of. Bring us what you believe. It's like a salon, a traveling yeah. salon. Yeah. And so uh, bring us what you believe and let's chat about it. Let's throw it up on the wall and see if any yeah. of it sticks. Yeah. Right. And so he did this for like 30 years, including the time that Frankie, you know, young, young Frank was born and being raised in this environment. And so in 1981, Frank Schaefer, Frankie Schaefer, young, young, the younger Schaefer wrote this book, Addicted to Mediocrity. And so it, it felt like it was built on the shoulders of a really 
powerful exploration of the world's religions right and their effect and and everything and the the whole the whole push of the book is religion used to be the gold standard of art and creative expression and discourse discourse and 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 all these things and what we've become is hummel dolls and he laid a lot because it was 1981 on uh bumper stickers his big thing was bumper and to now i guess it would just be minion memes or whatever but yeah and and it's a super quick read uh a little one or two page chapters and i swear it was one of those times where it's just like underlining everything i'm like why am i underlining at all like (laughs) that's not gonna make a difference but like so much of it was like these are like almost word for word what i have in my little notepad notepad of things to be upset about to someday write about just that that the exact same thing and yeah why and the thing that stuck out to me was was um and it's basically like why is christian art now so bad why is it so like devoid of anything and this was even before i mean 1981 this was before reagan the really explosion had his, right. of like evangelical marketplace right. and like right. christian radio and and all of that stuff and bible bookstores and and all of that but um he was talking about you know the the religious stance of like we can't make that kind of art or like that area it, we can't explore that area and his like there is no area of human experience that isn't that doesn't involve God like God mm-hmm. is of it all all of our human experiences all of the way we think through things and create things and all of that and yeah it's just a great book it's a super quick read I think I'm gonna give it to my uh, to my mom on, on vacation we're gonna go on vacation here and we always exchange some books um, but yeah super great and it sounds like he's written a bunch of other stuff so I'm gonna yeah. have to look yeah. into him him and what was uh, my friend Wendy I was talking about uh, this uh, David Gushy. I hope I'm pronouncing that right again. Not the greatest last name, but um, <laughs> yeah, lots of our own little our own little book club going on here. And that poverty, I'm not. I'm only halfway through. It's still that poverty by America book, which is just so mm-hmm. so amazing and so just we've just been all lied to for so long <laughs> that it's one of those things where it's hard to face a reality that doesn't make sense because we've never been cognizant of it and so it's it's great so yeah check that out too but moving on to the news now this i don't want to okay <laughs> so let's talk about liberals <laughs> they seemingly have all the creative people all of hollywood all of this all of these great creative ideas speaking of uh speaking of Fra- frankie schaefer um but they're terrible at marketing and messaging and <laughs> and knowing Defund the police yeah i mean that is a perfect example yeah. and another one is with all these book burning or not well eh. yet book bannings going on like the left is incapable of knowing how to not necessarily fight dirty but fight with the same language or same whatever and so like with all these book bannings i'm like all they need to do is say we need to ban the bible because of x passage y and z where it's rape murder you know 
blood anything yeah incest exactly like then that's all you have to do because then christians will be like well you can't do that well why not well because you have to read the whole thing oh you have to read the whole context of a book to understand what it's saying because the message might be more than just this one thing so you just want to engage in gotcha politics okay (laughs) good job ladies and gentlemen sarah palin thank you for (laughs) that's just a gotcha question and i'm not gonna fall for that trap But yeah, so they just don't under seemingly understand like how to take a one on one equivalent of something that the Christian community cares about to show that the idea is ridiculous and un-American. But it looks like some people are finally uh, doing that because a Utah school board, they reversed its decision to remove the Bible, but they had. Um, they had uh, removed the Bible off its uh, library shelves after citing concern over the text's age appropriateness, um, but they unanimously, unanimously reversed that decision Tuesday. Um, the Davis School District chose to remove the King James Version uh, because they found it included uh, vulgar elements of vulgarity or violence. The vote came after a community member asked the district to review the Bible's inclusion. An appeal committee determined that the Bible had significant serious value for minors that outweighs the violent or vulgar contents it contains, hmm. it said. Uh, the initial decision um, came after a complaint because from a person who criticized the state's process. So this person was not trying to you know, get rid of Christianity. They're saying this is so dumb. Any, any book can be banned because of this. He said, I think um, this was a bad faith process um, that needed to be much easier and way more efficient, so much easier and way more efficient. Now we can ban all banned books. You don't even need to read uh, or be accurate about heck. You don't even need to see the book. That was the guy who complained. Um, The book review process was set out, in a 2022 law that prohibits certain sensitive instructional materials in public schools and requires a local educational agency to include parents who are reflective of the school's community. The text of the law defines sensitive material as, quote, instructional material that is pornographic or indecent, which is a huge net. Uh, if we're going to look at this one book, let's look at them all said another community member. So, yeah, I mean, their point was not that they wanted to get rid of the Bible or Christianity was just to show the the um, ridiculousness of of these book bans. Another big, huge thing in the news this last week, and I hesitate to talk about, but it's the Titan. Oh yeah, the Titan uh, flower in Vancouver is set to bloom again. <laughs> Washington State's Vancouver campus say their corpse flower, which is named Titan Van Coog, is expected to bloom at the end of June or the 1st of July. The school said the plant's corn or tuber, it's not a tuba, <laughs> uh, was cloned and and is now four plants. I barely knew her. <laughs> nice. Oh, and we have the... Hello. Oh, oh I thought that was the, the, the air raid horn. Oh, no. That's not the air raid. <laughs> That's over here. There we go. Wow, that is an aggressive air horn. Sorry. Now, now that everyone's tuned back into the show, um, so it was my. It's been my understanding for so long that these corpse flowers only bloom once every like twenty years, and now this one's gonna bloom again. So global warning. It, it's all just part of the loop of lies uh, that we've just all been taught about poverty and corpse flowers. Um. So you can watch the uh, web stream, the quartz flower blooms come and go quickly 
and lasts just 24 to 48 hours when they plant blooms, aim it in over that is described as rotting flesh, blah, blah, blah. We all know about the corpse flowers. <laughs> it seems to bloom every 20 minutes. So <laughs> if you can't catch it now, I guess wait till next week. And it'll... <laughs> brought to you by De Beers. <laughs> Uh, well, a while ago we had a story about um, an auto shop worker who owed his uh, workers money and just drove up to their house with a dump truck troll of, uh, full of oily pennies, 91,500 pennies. Um, and now that shop owner has been pay, uh, ordered to pay nearly 40,000 more to this uh, AOK Walker Auto Works in Peachtree City, Georgia. Uh, the mountain of loose change uh, oh, that he sent came with a pay stub signed with an expletive. So that's what he dropped off on their driveway. The Labor Department said further investigation found that Walker's business had also violated, violated overtime provisions of the Fair Standards and Labor Act. Walker's attorney said the conflict doesn't reflect his client's true character as a businessman. Yeah, sure. All right. So that guy has to pay $40,000 more. Uh, are you familiar with LexisNexis? Just a little bit. So, yeah, LexisNexis is um, it was sort of the especially in libraries, how you would find news articles and peer rated reviews and how to search kind of before the Internet, how you searched uh, the news if you were a journalist or a researcher. Um, And now you may ask, how are they making it in today's economy now with the Internet here? Well, they're selling your personal identification to Immigration and Customs. Uh, The legal research and public records data broker LexisNexis is providing U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement with tools to target people who may potentially commit a crime before Uh any actual crime takes place, according to the document. LexisNexis data help uh, then helps ICE to track the purported pre-criminals movements. The story not from a dystopian future, <laughs> but right after the book banning, <laughs> bannings, it is the dystopian present. Uh, uh, the unredacted contract overview proce- uh, provides a rare look at the controversial 16.8 million with an M agreement between LexisNexis and ICE, a federal law enforcement agency whose surveillance of and raids against migrant communities are widely criticized as brutal, unconstitutional and inhumane. That's on the po- that's on the poster. <laughs> brutal. Unconstitutional. Inhumane. Rex Reed from the New York Times. The Minority Report. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Which, boy, that movie does not hold up like you'd want it to. I tried to watch it yeah. with the kids a couple months ago, and I was like, this is not as good as I remember. There were some things that, that I, I would say there's one thing that came out of that, which is the pinch and zoom of uh, things on a screen. Yes, absolutely. Was a interface thing that people are like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Let's, that's totally true. That. Yeah, yeah. It, the aesthetically, it has driven much more, uh, has held up a lot more than um, the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, well, this story straight out of my final paper for one of my social work classes, which is about the subscription environment. Uh, what happens in this dystopian present slash future where everything from Amazon Prime to our water uh, is a subscription model based? And one of the problems with that is because it is almost impossible to detangle yourself from a lot of these services. Um, And case in point, the biggest one, Amazon Prime, is being sued by the FTC 
uh, for difficulty in their cancellation process, alleging the nation's dominant online retailer intentionally duped millions of customers into signing up for its mainstay prime program and, quote, sabotaged their attempts to cancel. Oh, wow. The agency claims that Amazon violated FTC Act, uh, blah, 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 by using so-called dark patterns or deceptive design tactics meant to steer users toward a specific choice to push consumers to enroll in Prime without their consent. Quote, Amazon tricked and trapped people into recurring submissions without their consent, not only frustrating users, but also costing them significant money. Uh, Amazon spokeswoman uh, Heather Lehman says, the truth is that customers love Prime. And by design, we make it clear and simple for customers to both sign up and cancel. She said non-convincingly to a <laughs> to a group of journalists who refused to ask follow-up questions. <laughs> uh, and finally, this isn't really a, a very good final story, but whatever. Artificial intelligence is now set to answer Portland's non-emergency calls. Portland is testing out the artificial intelligence to fall to field three one one calls, which I guess forgot. I forgot that existed. That the non-emergency number is now three one one. Instead of like some complicated phone number that you can't ever find by oh. without a phone book, so three one one is non emergency. Oh. Um, the city said is its solution. At, uh, they're looking for a solution to alleviate slow call response times. Yeah, man. our nine one one calls are are a little backed up, so I can't imagine what our non emergency lines uh, how backed up those are. <laughs> well, call- I, I just call nine one one to get the phone number for the <laughs> the non emergency line. To get the number for four one one, call four one one for a number nearest you. I wonder if that still works. There's somebody mm. still manning the four one one or the time. I called time the other <sighs> day. Yeah, it's still it's still going. Still, it, it's not at the same number, but you, there's a number you can call. Again. Wow, and it's the, the atomic time, clock. I guess the time will be. I wonder who's who runs that service. I don't know. It's like I'm rewatching Lost. I haven't watched it since it was on. Um, and I was watching some YouTube channel about it. I was like, I should give it a chance again. I kind of remember, but don't really remember the ending. And now that you can binge, it's not like, because when, when that was on, that was during the 2008 writer strike. So there was like a year in between season two and three, and then they didn't know what to do. And so like half of season three is just like some nonsense that doesn't make, you know, isn't part of the story just to fill time and all that. So, um, but that had the one of the signals being sent from the island that's been on a loop for 16 years yes. or whatever. And that's, that's what 411 is on this point. Some dead French woman <laughs> up in a, <laughs> on the top of a hill in Colorado beaconing the time. Uh, so the caller calls 311 and they get the, that AI attendant and it's smart enough to know, quote, I'm going to transfer you to BOC or I'm going to transfer you to 311. Now, which is weird because you're the caller calls 311 and it's smart enough to say, I'm going to transfer you to three one one. So anyway, hmm. <laughs> look for look forward to that. Uh, the 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 AI tech would still need to be tested before a full rollout. It's just one of the options given to Portland city leaders as the city deals with slow response times. So there we have it. If you've tried to ask your Alexa anything more complicated than like what is the weather, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> Imagine needing to call the police, even some non-emergency, to go through that same process. So that is all the news that is fit to print this week. Nice. Well, I'm making a mid-journey prompt of uh, trying to make us here. Hold two guys making a podcast with 
don't say briefly or whatever. Microphone. Be here for another twenty in minutes. In front of our faces. <laughs> are we redoing a joke? What are we doing? No, no, no. Uh, so the topic I thought we'd discuss is uh, copywriting of AI material and, yes. and things, things that come out of. <clears throat> so if I, um, we've talked some about Chat GPT. Yes. And that is a very text-based medium. Uh, you dialogue with the bot if mm -hmm. you will and it responds and gives you things uh code and and answers and and things uh mid journey uh <clears throat> i think you and i have talked about mid journey it has a, a completely different interface it uses the discord chat as a interface for making AI images. Okay. And because of that, you get to see what everybody else is doing as well and reading their prompts. Okay. Uh, uh, and so it's literally just a chat room. And uh, here's. We're really trying to make it cat pictures. Totally. And so two guys making a podcast in a small smoke filled room. One guy is bald and heavy set, the other has a small head and tall body. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's here's what oh, it came wow. up with. yeah here's what it came up with and oh, oh we're, we're so sinister we, we yeah it's it's a very yeah, that's yeah there you go a port, yeah a um, very everybody's got a beard which must be the podcast <laughs> vibe but yeah that's super cool and then you can probably refine oh give hair give glasses totally give. totally and so uh oh, you see i send that image to me and i'll use that for it's so I could send this an image to you, oh, and you or, can use it. Um, who owns this image? Oh. oh who do we need to? Who we need to contact in order to clear the rights to use this for yeah. our podcast thumbnail? But if I add the the tiny image of Dave Baylor <clears throat> using a VR, flying a drone with a VR headset, which I hide in all our all of our thumbnails can't i claim that now as mine because i transformed it into something new that's that's a really great question so i'm guessing no because then i would just be able to take any sort of copyrighted material and because i put dave in it <laughs> that's not make yeah, it yeah so the eu has recently published yeah I, I just sent you that picture um that's what that text is um so in Stockholm, uh, back in April of this year, companies deploying generative AI tools such as ChatGPT will have to disclose any copyrighted material used to develop their systems, according to an early EU agreement that could pave the way for the world's first comprehensive law governing the technology. So, um, so the EU is publishing some laws, and they're more about the um the business of making ai available uh, because part of the situation with chat gpt and stuff is it requires a shit ton of data in order to create this pool of information that it is generating things from right right, right. and so going back to what we discussed last week about the reddit api stuff which is still ongoing still an issue everybody hates the ceo all, all that stuff yeah um one of the 
uh, motivations for Reddit to charge for their API access is ChatGPT and other AI platforms are scraping all of the data off of Reddit, which is billions and billions of words, uh, and collecting that information of like, well, how does one write a comment and text and what's all the language do? And it's in multiple languages and all the things. And so ChatGPT is using that data. And so now in the European Union, ChatGPT needs to disclose where the data is coming which from. Which data set. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting uh, predicament because it's going to be millions of sources. Right. Uh, because it's not just going to be Reddit. It's going to be everything out there. Everybody's blog and everybody's message. The Mark and Todd descriptions. Totally. And uh, <laughs> that's how we'll get famous. We'll, <laughs> we'll get <laughs> noted in chat GPT. There we go. So um, what the U.S. Copyright Office is wrestling with now is on the other side of the equation, when somebody generates something with uh, AI generative art, um, is who owns that? Right. And so it goes back to like that famous thing that happened in 2014 where the uh, monkey took the selfie. Oh, right, right, right. And so a monkey takes a selfie with the camera, you know. A uh, monkey walks into a bar. <laughs> and so a photographer was out in the wild monkey picks up the camera takes a selfie who owns the rights to that that photo you would think the photographer uh but PETA uh initiated a lawsuit on behalf of the monkey freaking PETA sometimes they're pretty great <laughs> on behalf of the monkey saying this monkey made this art yeah and so a human did not and so the human shouldn't benefit copyrightedly to this art and so they came to an agreement of the monkey the monkey's lawyers came the monkey's and lawyers. they threw some shit around <laughs> and uh the agreement your honor yes <laughs> hurling feces your honor so the <laughs> speaking a southern accent for some reason like a genteel lawyer <laughs> was i think there was an snl skit about that probably it, it totally was uh, chris Catan was probably Kattan involved was, mr yeah, peepers the totally. lawyer and he what uh, that's a hundred percent a thing and um <laughs> so the art uh so the the monkey and all those parties came to an agreement and 30 percent uh you know one third of the royalties of that picture will go to organizations that support monkeys uh, the, the the monkeys and making sure that their habitat that stays um you would think they would just build if they were they were really american about it they would just build that one monkey <laughs> a, a, a mansion just for itself and totally. still <laughs> ignore all the other monkeys <laughs> totally. and have a nice wealth gap between the the 1% monkey and all the other monkeys uh and so there's in that case is now like day 2 of so you want to be a copyright lawyer yeah, right yeah. it's it's really prominent in the copyright community and because it, it establishes uh, a lot of precedents yeah. and all that so ai art 
is kind of under a similar umbrella that says humans make art and that is the only things that the u.s copyright office will cover is anything that a human makes interesting okay? so anything that comes I mean, out of there, it there's a sad elephant with the, one of those paintbrushes in it that was discussed oh. as well no, no the mural <laughs> by the elephant was was part of this discussion as well is because Animals don't make art. Your honor. <laughs> Stomps through the courtroom. <laughs> through the courtroom. <laughs> the rest of the day, I'm just going to be picturing different an animals saying, your honor, and then whatever they do in the, in Bull the courtroom. coming through the china shop and <laughs> your honor. So only humans can make art that is copyrightable. Okay. And, uh, and so if I tell mid journey make me a hundred images uh with these hundred different colors and uh make them all different faces of of people from different countries right and it generates a hundred th things right i as a human then take those hundred images that are a hundred different colors and i arrange those as something else and so I piece them together and I make a flag out of those individual pixels of those faces and stuff. None of the individual picture face things that were generated by AI can be copyrighted. Right. But the art that I created as a human using things, including stuff right. made by AI, is entirely copyrightable. Right. Because then it becomes a collage. Yeah. Yeah. And so the collage. Like when you rip pictures out of a magazine. Right. Exactly. And so that is my creative venture that is copyrightable. Right. But each of those images can be stolen by somebody else. Sure. And, sure. And there's no protection against that. Right. And so if they zoom in, take a snap and think and use that, that's fine. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and so it's. So the U.S. Copyright Office is scrambling. They they are definitely behind the eight ball. They kind of started this. There, there's a sequence of events. Didn't Heidi Lauman used to work in the copyright. Oh, that's a good question. I don't arm. I don't know that. Um, have her on the show. Yeah, totally. Um, but there's a schedule of events in this. They they've started this initiative, and I don't have the schedule of events. But basically, in three days. On the 28th, they're having their next discussion. And, and basically, the Copyright Office is opening up kind of office hours and having listenings with the public. Ooh. And so um, I'm intrigued yeah. to listen in and, yeah. and hear. Uh, basically, they're saying, we don't have all the answers. We we. We've we need taken more our questions stand. We before need more we questions. need answers. Right, right. Yeah. And so they're having these public listenings. Uh, Ooh, that's neat. Yeah. And so the U.S. Copyright Office is right in the middle of trying to figure this out. Right. Honestly. Now, I wonder, so when they make a law, like, say, yay or nay to this thing being able to copyright, does that have to go through a legal process? Like, does that so then have to go to Congress? And so what, the, they're, what they're doing now is literally every, every copyright claim is being treated on a case-by-case -case basis. And so if you have something that you are going to copyright, you have to disclose what 
and how much and what portions were generated by AI and which were manipulated by you as a human. And so the tricky part really comes into, I wrote a really good prompt right. to tell the AI to make it this way. Right. It makes the thing. And unless, because we were talking right. about too, and I, I had this pulled up because we were talking a couple of weeks <clears throat> ago. Well, isn't there a way to watermark something yeah. that comes from AI? So I used to do a lot of writing for Digital Trends, their website. So I'm still on their marketing email list. So every day I get all this blah, blah, blah. And I got one that says, take charge of your voice data, resemble AIs, which is, they're a big um, AI voice thing, right? That's the one that you and I did for making oh, right. the us. us. Yeah, <laughs> for making the us. And so, so that, that system, you read a script a series of scripts and it records your voice and then it creates a model of your voice that then can be used to type, you know, yeah, you that was on our anything. old board. Yeah. It's not on our old board. Um, but yeah, it says whether your audio content library consists of audio film music or other contact or blah, blah, blah. Uh, we, our neural speech watermarker will protect your IP from copyright infringement and identity AI scan with the rapid adoption of generative AI. We've seen AI safety, blah, blah, blah. Um, ability to embed and detect deep face voice and audio manipulation. So yeah, I have a feeling that's going to be a huge industry push. And the next thing is how to watermark, identify, right. and trace. Right. And at, at some point there's going to be, well, this actor uh, we're just going to scan in all of your stuff, yeah. right? We know your voice. We know what your face looks like. You've got your whole body things. And now we James will- Earl Joy James, James Earl, Earl Jones. Jones's voice, voice is owned by Disney. Absolutely. And they, it runs off the AI. same thing they run radio stations off. Some some t uh, voice track in Tulsa <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's going out to everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is something I imagine the, the writer strike- Join me. <laughs> that the actors uh, in their last strike and maybe their next one are have rules that Crispin Glover from Back to the Future 2 since he didn't want to be in it they got a lookalike guy and put him upside down on that thing yep. in this future house because they didn't want to pay him and he got new rules written being you can't use someone's likeness in a right. movie without compensating them right. and getting their permission and so I haven't heard a lot of I just pulled this up because I heard a an AI version of um, Madonna singing a different song, and I wanted to see if it played here because I haven't heard this one. But it is really, let's see here. Why is this not playing? What's wrong, YouTube? An error keeps occurring. One moment, please. No, I'm not going to cut this out. All right, let's see if it loads in a private window. That one is a terrible example. The other one I heard, though, was some other, maybe it was this one. This is the most tedious thing ever. But it was like shockingly, especially for me who who 
tends to know her voice very well. It was an amazing blah de blah some Bruno Mars song here. That wasn't it either. But mm. it was it was crazy that it's we're even already to a point where it's like if I was only half listening and be like, oh, is this an unreleased song or right. whatever? And a lot of that nuance was in there. And it's it's freaky. <laughs> yep. But thankfully, it sounds like people are paying attention people to are it and paying attention trying to and, scramble and to. Out. So one other complex copyright issue and it involves AI platforms that are fed existing copyrighted images which users of this technology are able to alter to produce derivative images. So Getty images have been pulled in to teach the AIs. And okay. so if I manipulate one of those, uh, you know, it, it, now right. I've got a derivative art from Getty that I haven't paid Getty for the original. Right. Uh, and they're freaking out about that as well. And so there's, there's a lot of issues. It's uh, we're the the legal world is definitely uh, years behind the technology people. So good times. Exponential. What is the Mo's pose? Moore's, uh, Moore's somebody's law. law. Yeah. Somebody's got a law. Somebody's a law for something. Can't wait till 2028 when the 80 year time cycle corrects itself and we are in the time of luxury utopia. And, and utopia again. Yeah, wow. Good times. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure we will be continually talking about stuff like that as as we continue down this path of question questionable be <laughs> questionable things be. happening around us what, <laughs> that we have no control over, I guess. <laughs> Ah, anything else? Do we have anything else today? Oh, we had a kid throw up in Sunday school. It's nice. the first time that's ever happened in my huh. 20 years of doing it. It was during snack time with everybody at a table. I wasn't watching. Thankfully, it was mostly it looked like just a little bit of water. But it's, <laughs> it, kids are so funny that way because I was doing something else, and it was nice. We had three, three men as the leaders for our th uh, three- to five-year-old Sunday school, so that was kind of cool. Um and just kind of heard what's say, oh, well, you know, where are the napkins? And so I turned around to give it to him. <laughs> There's just water all over this table in front of this poor girl. Like everyone else is just sitting there at the same table. It's like getting everywhere. And the kids were just like, uh huh. Like they didn't freak out. They didn't like, <laughs> they were just all kind of sitting there like, yep, yeah, that's, yeah, that's just what happens you... during snack time. <laughs> <laughs> so that was gross. I did get to see Dave Baylor dance too. So that was oh. pretty cool. <sighs> that's it. Yay! So that, right all. at the two that's minutes to get us to an hour, but I don't think I don't think yeah. we need that. So I could I could reread the joke. <laughs> we go way well, over an hour yeah. thirty for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for listening. We will see you uh, next week. Um, I guess I'll just play more of this song. That doesn't wasn't the example I was thinking of, but whatever. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Now they have a video going this with this too, so I don't... You. If the video is also... Oh, not bad. And you the best I can do. So I don't know if she was... Oh. My gift is my song. Yeah. Never mind.
this one. Also, watch my Christina Aguilera supercut <laughs> where I was talking about. Thanks, guys. All right, bye bye.